Welcome to Growth Colony. I'm Alex from X Growth. Today, we've got an edited version of our ABM talk session we held on Friday, April 9 in 2021, if you're listening in the future. ABM talks are open AMA style sessions for ABM experts and the curious to discuss what's happening in the world of account-based marketing and ABX. If you want to participate in one of these sessions, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. In this session, we'll be discussing tiering, the ABM pyramid, and how to select the right kind of ABM per account. We'll dive into three different types of ABM, strategic, scale, and programmatic. We'll chat about the differences and when is the right time to use each method or even a blend of these methods. Tiering and selecting the right kind of ABM is key to a successful ABM campaign. In an ideal world, you would have a very personalized and customized approach for all your target accounts. However, in the real world, we just don't have the resources for that. Tiering allows us to give the right amount of attention to the right accounts and helps when working with limited resources, especially when you're starting. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. That's enough for me. Let's dive right in. We're talking about different types of ABMs, right? I think the first thing that you you, you kind of come across when you talk about ABM is the pyramid, right? The the three types of ABMs that uh, that everybody has kind of heard of, heard of the the one to one, the the one to uh, one to few, and and the one to many. I think it's it's useful to think about the history of ABM and where it came from. So originally, it, it started from one to one. Originally, it started two thousand three. ITSMA came up with the concept uh, working with uh, with Accenture and I think Fujitsu and and came about from the Accenture and Fujitsu talking about hey we we've kind of come across this this new type of marketing that we're doing where we're, we're we become really bespoke and we're very focused in terms of the uh, the companies that we're going after uh, and uh, and we we have kind of like a market of one so that that's where it all started and from from that market of one, looking at one company and marketing to that one company alone, because some of these organizations are really big, it made sense. Uh, I mean, now there are organizations with hundreds of thousands of people with market caps of a small country. So uh, so you can have a complete focus on uh, on one organization. As time went on, the lower tiers started to get created. Uh, the 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 one to few got created because people were like, "All right, not every account we can afford to to spend so much resources having a one to one kind of go to market strategy for them." So that, then you had the one to few, where we we talk about you have a cluster of accounts in there. You can have multiple clusters of accounts, but the the gist of it is that you would have that your clusters are based on a pain point or they're based on a vertical. It could be, you know, you might say uh, if it's in Australia, you might say the banking uh, sector. If it's in the US, you might say the retail banking sector uh, as, as the market is larger. Or you might say, you know, vertical is not important for us. We are going to look at a pain point. So this became pretty common in covid there were a lot of organizations that had the same pain point. You could cluster them in uh, in in one one cluster, and you would see anywhere between. If you're like an ABM purist, you would see anywhere between maybe five accounts in a cluster to up to maybe twenty. Twenty is pushing it, but you can see twenty. If you go really cowboy, and if you go you know US, you see you see bigger clusters in the US, but but EMEA. And uh, an APAC, you, you, that's, those are the kind of numbers that they usually see that it kind of makes sense. And then what happened was the VC money found IP targeted ads. It started in the US and IP targeted ads, if you're not familiar with IP targeted ads is when you kind of upload the IP addresses of the organizations that you want to go after and a provider, a vendor, it could be, you know, Terminus, it could be Madison Logic, it could be um, demand base. Six cents. There, there are a number of them now. They would then go and target those account lists for you, and so, so, so that kind of started to emerge in 2014, where it gave birth to that last tier of ABM, which is one to one to many, and it's probably the easiest one. 
And it's one that the the ABM kind of purists really don't like. They, they're like, you know, it's, it's very close to demand gen. Um, it is not as personalized, but, uh, but it, that was the point that ABM started to get popular because there was a lot of VC money that was being pushed into these organizations. And previously there were these consulting consultancy firms who were talking about ABM and account-based marketing who don't necessarily have the marketing budgets or, or the marketing stamina or horsepower to, uh, to promote these things. So when VC money found its way to, uh, to, to these IP targeted advertising platforms, they started to push the whole ABM and they, and they jumped on the ABM bandwagon because they're like, oh, look, you know, there was some research that has been happening here and we can build on top of this. And um, we say, you know, we're super legit and this is a whole, whole movement. And, and ABM became really big in 2014, um, 2015. So those are the generic three tiers, the usual three tiers that you see in ABM. And that's the, that's the kind of history that you see uh, of them getting created. Now, 2014, 15, 16, even 17, ABM got really hyped up because of all these uh, uh, VC-backed organizations. And it really didn't live up to the promise because it was being pushed by, by vendors and they were, the message was, do some, some targeted advertising and IP targeted ads and you're, you're doing ABM and you're, you're doing great. And that didn't live up to the expectation. Like a lot of organizations were not able to see ROI from that. They were not able to um, materialize revenue. So it kind of died out. And now it's having a, another return at a, at a much more mature, with a much more mature argument. Uh, behind uh, behind ABM. So those are the three types of ABMs. Now, the other thing that is really important to, to touch on is, you know, what kind of activities do you see going into these uh, ABM tiers? When you talk about one-to-one, it's extremely close between sales and marketing. So you have sales doing, doing work on the account. You have marketing doing work on account. As you go higher, um, uh, sales impact becomes higher as well. The sales influence become becomes higher as well. So that's that's the the top tier. The middle one is still pretty much the same, but you see that across the across the cluster, and you see personalization per account reduces, um, and uh, and and you have a smaller number some smaller number of work that ha- happening for one account. <clears throat> one to many, and this is one of the challenges that we've had with with ABM tiers. One to many is, is really defined as a tier that you don't have a lot of sales involvement, and it is really on marketing's um, marketing's shoulders to uh, to drive revenue. It's it's all about revenue generation, source revenue rather than re- revenue influence. As you go up, higher up the tier, it becomes a lot more focused on on revenue influence. So those those three tiers, the the, the bottom tier, one to many, and, and one to um, one to few, we've had a we've had a challenge where one to few can be very bespoke. I mean, it is it could be expensive. It could be you know you might be spending fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars per cluster, and one to many is is too broad. You could be focusing on a thousands thousands of accounts, and and you don't have sales support, and you don't necessarily look for whether it's SDR or or um, sales support. So what we what we end up doing was we started to for our, for a lot of our clients we started introducing a fourth tier between tier three the one to many and um, and one to uh, one to few where we call it one to some. Now, not the best name. We're, we're still working on trying to come up with a with a better name of, of defining it, but. Third tier from top, second tier from bottom. That is a tier where you still have the same marketing support, but you you also have sales support, but you're not doing as much personalization as one to few. So you might be looking at, instead of looking at in a one to few cluster, you might be looking at 10 accounts. In one to some, you might be looking at 100 accounts and a, a much lighter touch of, uh, of personalization. And... Uh, and works really well for a lot of clients. It works really well. It um, it it allows them to to scale, especially if you are not an organization that predominantly plays in enterprise space. Meaning that there there are some clients that we work with, and they say, you know, we have we have only five accounts or two, or thirty accounts across Australia. That's it. That's all we, we we need to target. 
And for those, obviously, those kind of fall into one-to-one and one-to-one-to-few. But then there are organizations that come and say, you know, yeah, there, there are um, maybe 10, 20, 30 accounts that are really important to us. But then there, there are smaller organizations that are, that are important to us as well. So that's where the, the one-to-some really plays a part. So those, so those are the, the three or four tiers, if you want to introduce the fourth tier. What do we got for questions? Yeah, so first up, um, before we go into the six steps, which I want to cover as well to decide which type of ABM works for you, it'd be good to cover just two questions that we've got here. One is from Anna and uh, one is from Noam. Uh, Anna said, what are the different types of strategies that can be employed? And then Noam has said, what kind of ABM strategies? Oh, Anna's just joined now. Perfect timing. Yeah. But yeah, Noam, you want to you jump on and clarify that? I think you're going to get into it anyway. But <laughs> it was, yeah, just what are the, the key strategies um, for the different ABM types? I'm, I'm actually not, not really aware of the different types of ABM um, that there is. So kind of new to me. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, so let's go, let's go through the, let's get, let's give an example for every, um, every, like all the four, right? So one-to-one would be a situation where you're, you're pretty much creating all your assets for one organization, just one organization. Like you are only thinking about Telstra, right? You want to close Telstra and that's it. Where do you use, uh, probably what, what is important to touch on before we before I talk about different types of ABM is that there, there are three areas that you, you kind of work with ABM. One is for net new accounts, you want to land new accounts that you don't have. Two is for bid support. So sales says, you know, we're, we're tendering for this, um, for, this, for this deal and they're in, in our sales pipeline. Hey, how can marketing support that? And the third one is, you have already an account, you have already a customer, and you want to expand that. You, you have Telstra, you're working with Telstra in one department, you're working with ComBank uh, in one department of theirs, and there, you, know, you know there is probably another six or seven or eight other departments that you can, you can get into. So you, you implement an account expansion strategy in order to work with your sales team to get to some of those other accounts. Those are the three areas that, um, that you see um, ABM strategies implemented, right? When it comes to one-to-one, you usually have, it's, it's most of the times, I would say 90% of the times, it's an account expansion strategy. So you have ComBank, you have one department in ComBank, and you would put marketing force behind that. You know you're making you know fifty thousand dollars a year from Combank, but there is potential for all these other departments, and there is you know Combank could be a million dollar client for for you. So that's where you start putting an accounts account expansion strategy where you might say, all right, let's build a case study. Let's identify all those other buying centers that uh, that are in the organization. Who are the who are the individuals? How can we show them the success that we've we've kind of created with this one department and extrapolate that into some of the other other departments? It could be extremely effective because they already know you. You're approved with the with procurement, which is a massive thing with these uh, with these large organizations. So you already have all that approval. So you're now looking at um, looking at expanding. But the main thing that I would say for uh, for one to one is that you are looking at one organization and one organization only. If you're creating content, you're creating content just for ComBank, explaining how your um, your strategies is aligning. So one of the things that are very common is usually when you do a one-to-one, they're public companies. Uh, you would go through their annual report. What are they talking about? What are the challenges they're, they're, they're talking about? And then you create content that exactly talks about those challenges. And you say, you know, this is how our organization addresses all these four challenges that you've identified and you, you're, you're trying to address in your organization. It becomes really bespoke. And you could, you could extrapolate that into video content, written content, blog posts, all of that stuff. For one to few, you do that at a at an industry level or a pain point standpoint. So you would say, all right, let's let's do some research in the um, let's say uh, the, the the I keep giving banking sector because it's such a big thing in Australia. 
um, let's say you do you do research on banking sector and understand what are the challenges that the banking sector is having. And then you create content, you create resources for that for that sector and leverage and work with sales to, to get those in front of the right people. You might identify you know, 10 accounts in your cluster. You identify the decision makers that are really important for you um, to, to, to get in front of in those 10 accounts. And then you, uh, you work with sales, you create the, the, the resources and the, and the assets and the content that you need in order to, uh, for sales to put those content in front of the, uh, the right people. So that's, that will be one to few. Um, but in one to few, you usually do a certain level of personalization at an account level as well. So that increases the likelihood of, of them uh, uh, engaging with your content, engaging with the sales team. The last one that I would say is the, the one to some where you do that, but you don't do any personalization at an account level, right? So it, it's predominantly at an industry level uh, and, and you don't do any. Uh, so it's very similar to targeted outbound, but, uh, but with a lot more horsepower from marketing and marketing support, very similar to vertical marketing. Um, and, uh, and again, one too many, the last tier, usually main way, it's very similar to, to demand gen, where you're running advertising against the accounts that you're targeting, you are, um, uh, you, you have your, your nurture sequences, you have the, the, the difference is that rather than looking at MQ, MQLs, uh, which a lot of organizations do, or um, or specifically be t- being focused on on leads, you start focusing. You you start becoming a lot more focused on accounts, where you talk about marketing qualified accounts, uh, and uh, and you measure the success that you have within an account. So those are the different different kind of some like high level some of the strategies that you see with um, with different types of ABM. Does that make sense, um, Noam and and Anna? I know this was kind of similar question that you had as well. Does that does that answer your question? Uh, yes, it does. Thank you. Shuba, did you want did you want to say something? Uh, yeah, sorry. I was just clarify a little bit more about the one to few um, strategy. So, I understood what you said uh, about one to one and one to some, but how mm. does one to few differ? What's the sort of distinction between the one to one and one to few? Okay, so well, there there's first there's a financial difference, right? You might allocate fifty thousand dollars for one account in one to one, and and then you're 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 saying in, in one to few, we're going to spread that out across uh, ten accounts. So you might allocate fifty thousand dollars for for ten accounts, and then you see what what you can do for that. the 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 number one difference is if you're going after really big organization and enterprise enterprise clients in um. One to one to so as I said, one to one predominantly is used for account expansion. If you're going after let's so if you have Combank as a as a client, you go with 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 one to one for expansion. But if you want to get into the banking sector and you don't have them as a customer, you identify ten banks and you run a one to one to few campaign against them. So you have a very, the, the personalization at account level is, is much lighter because you don't wanna invest. It, it becomes really risky to run one to one when you're trying to just get into an account. So, so rather than putting all your, all your money in one basket, you spread it across a number of accounts and you de-risk your, uh, your approach, right? Yeah, that is. It. That is the main um, main reason that you focus on on one to few and not one to one, because of the you know the level of risk that you could have for for net new acquisition. Yeah, got it. Okay, thanks for answering that, Shahin. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem. What else have we got? Is there are there any other questions that uh, that that have come up from from this conversation that we've been having? Um, I do have one. Sorry, um, not. Yeah. Sure. It's going to be covered shortly, um, but I'm just, I was just wondering what the um, customer journey would look like when you're building out the, the the one-to-one strategy, or perhaps maybe the one-to-few strategy. Yeah. So, so customer journey. So, maybe Anna clarified that a little bit um, from from what standpoint? Because I don't think the customer journey is going to change much. As in, you know, the the stages that a customer is going to go through is not predominantly going to change as much, but, but maybe clarify a little bit what you mean by customer, um, customer journey. Um, I guess just understanding what tactics or what messaging works best when you're just trying to 
um, raise brand awareness uh, first and foremost and then when you have a company starting to engage with your brand awareness um, ad, say for instance you're running a, a um, an ABM uh, marketing campaign through LinkedIn, as an example, what what would be some of those sort of steps or, yeah, I guess steps in that journey that you would build out for a one-to-few or a one-to-some campaign? Um, looking at, you know, perhaps maybe the awareness stage and then you've got post-awareness once the company or once your key contacts start engaging with that content, how do you sort of build on that to to strengthen the relationship or strengthen the engagement with that particular contact or, or with that company um, to get them sort of closer to, to converting. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, so you, we're talking post-conversion, right? Um, what I would say for post-conversion, one of the big differences between demand gen and ABM is the over-reliance on, in demand gen, you have a, you have a lot of focus on marketing. And the, 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 the way that the journey changes is introduction of your sales team. Now, whether you have SDR teams or you have BDM teams, they get a lot more involved in, your, in the activities that you have. So every single time that we're running one to few, even one to some, what we do at the beginning is for, for two or three weeks, we run brand awareness campaigns, where what we really want to do is we want to make sure that our, our logo and our brand gets in front of the people that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go after. Then what we do is we, we bring the SDR team, the sales development team or the business development team, uh, whatever what business development reps, whatever you call them in your organization, we bring them in so that they can do their outreach. And we've seen somewhere between 20 to 30% increase in the, in the meetings that they book when there is that, that brand awareness. So what I want to say is it's very hard and it really depends on your average contract value as well and, your, and your, uh, the lifetime of your customer. It's very hard to run, a, run LinkedIn ads and you're targeting enterprise organizations. It's very hard to get them convert and pay you you know, 70, 80, $100,000 a year, right? So this is, this is a challenge that we see quite often where marketing is like, you know, we're going we're gonna to push, this, push this, um, this initiative forward and we're going to be generating all this revenue. And it's really hard, especially in the Australian market. In the US, it's a bit different because you have a larger, um, uh, your TAM is larger. The number of, uh, there, there's a total of, uh, just under ten, uh, just under a thousand enterprise organizations uh, in uh, in A in ANZ, uh, where that is uh, that is about I think it's about fifty thousand in in the uh, in the in the US. Don't don't quote me on the US number, but but it's much larger. Your TAM is much larger than uh, than what you have in Australia. So what happens in the US if if you're going through the US literature is hey put this ad out there let's run some some LinkedIn advertising and the market is large enough that we're going to be attracting these uh, these organizations and they're going to become inbound leads. In Australia, in even in APAC, it usually doesn't happen. So what you what you need is that support from SDR. So the, the way that journey changes, especially at the beginning, is you run your advertising, you you focus on a lot on brand awareness, and then you bring your your sales team and you would have a clear cadence for them. And that, that you say, you know, now I want I, I have all the decision makers lined up for you. I know who we're going after. These are the individuals that these uh if you have you know one to one to few, you might have. 50 decision makers. There might be a larger list if you're doing one to some. These are the people that I want to go after. I've done the um, I've done the uh, brand awareness early on. Now I want us to reach out and and connect with them. So what you you see is you would all of a sudden get rid of your your MQL process. So you would stop focusing on MQLs because you already have qualified accounts that you're going after. You know they're qualified. You've picked them. You, you're they're on your list. So your MQL process becomes irrelevant. Now it's, it becomes a process of, you know, are they, are they aware? Are they engaged? So if they, depending on your MarTech um, capability, you would be measuring their, their engagement with your ads. You would be measuring their engagement on your website. You might not have that tech. Uh, if you don't, don't worry about it. But, but the journey becomes, 
um, targeted account, engage accounts, then you start focusing on uh, connect rate. So whether whether the sales teams are, are, are connecting with these decision makers that you've identified, meetings booked, meetings held, and and you go from there. So that's the that's predominantly how the the journey changes when you're um, when you're looking at Airbnb. We got quite a few questions of the audience. I definitely want to get to all of those, but can we quickly go through the six steps to decide which which type of ABM to implement? Yes, yes, yes. Like, so I was yeah, I was thinking about this, and we talk about this with clients quite often, um, where where there's a little bit more to deciding what kind of ABM you're going to do than just saying, yeah, I think it's good to do one to few. And let's go ahead and do one to few or one to one and came up with about six items that you got to think about when you're deciding what type of ABM you're, you're going to. So we, we talked a lot about post decision of, okay, now we've decided we're going to do one to few. What does the customer journey look like? What kind of the type of campaigns are going to look like, but where, how do you get to those, uh, the, basically making a decision that we're going to do one to few is the right thing for us or we're going to do a combination of one to few and, and one to some. So the first thing that you want to take into consideration, probably the, the biggest factor is your average contract value or, um, or customer lifetime value. How big is that? You would one to one, you really don't want to go after, put accounts in one to one and do a pure one to one strategy if they are under, you know, like they should be around a million dollars of, of, of value there. If you're going after, after an account, um, you know, you, you can pull it off with, uh, with maybe 700, $800,000 as well, but really that's the, that's the, um, that's the range that you're playing with. Then, um, then you, you have, uh, you have maybe accounts that range from between maybe hundred to a couple of hundred thousand dollars that we can you can put in one to few, uh, and then you you go down from there. So it's really important to understand what your average contract value is, and sometimes from from a marketing standpoint, we don't have a lot of visibility on that. So it's really important to talk to sales, talk to sales ops, uh, and and get an understanding of what is the value of these accounts that we're we're going we're going after. So that's um, that's the first first thing that I would say. The second thing is your sales infrastructure. So how how mature is the sales infrastructure? Do we have really um, uh, experienced salespeople, meaning they're they're accounting? We only have account executives or uh, uh, BDMs, business development managers, that might not be super keen on prospecting. That's a big challenge. If, if, you, if you have that in your organization, it's gonna be really hard to get some of the strategies working. Or, hey, we have maybe SDR resources whose who job is to book meetings and, and, and create opportunities. So that's the, um, that's the other factor. The other obvious one is, is marketing resources. Uh, it, that's, a, that's a no brainer of like, do we have capacity to, to run one-to-one? And a lot of smaller organizations, that capacity is not there. The risk is too high to do to do one to one because you would put a lot of resources in one to one, and hey, that might not work. That's fine for Oracle. Like Oracle can live if you know a deal doesn't co- go through and they they got enough cash in the bank to uh, to push through that. But for a startup or for a smaller organization. If you put a lot of your eggs in in a one to one or even in a one to few basket, um, it it could be really challenging for for the startup if, if you know something goes wrong for that startup to uh, to kind of carry forward. So that's the that's the the, the first thing that I would uh, that I would say. Then there is your TAM. So how big is the market that you're going after? Are you are there are you selling something that that only banks can buy? And in Australia, we have about you know hundred and I think it's hundred and eight banks, and that's it. So that that that's another factor of understanding your TAM. Uh, we're looking at uh, APAC, we're looking at you know EMEA, we're looking at North America, whatever it is. What how big is your TAM? Uh, and and that uh, that that's another factor. Um, what else do I have over here? Your objectives. We talked about objectives quite a lot. So. Uh, 
what what are you are you looking at net new acquisition? You're looking at um, account expansion. You're looking at bid support. What are some of those those initiatives that you have? Sometimes an initiative might be we are moving into Singapore, and we really need a win. We need a big win there. So all of a sudden, your average contract value is not as important. Because if you land a big account in Singapore, there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of social proof attached to that, and therefore you're going to be able to get a lot more accounts there um, because you can show presence. So all of a sudden, your average contract value is still important, but not as important because it can it can lead to uh, to other deals. And I think the other thing is the the type of organizations that you're going after. So. What are the size of the organizations that you're going after? What is the how many decision makers you usually have in the buying process, and what are their buying habits? I used to work for for a company that um, had a model that average contract value was about three hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand dollars. That sounds like a perfect example for uh, a uh, a um, an ABM strategy, but it wasn't because their target market were small businesses who who were building a a software. They were were a software development platform, right? Software development company. And these were organizations that were extremely small and they were just starting and they would, they, they understand that they need to have, they, they're probably going to have a high um, initial expense for building their application in order to get to the market. Now it was really hard to find them. Their, their average contract value was was quite high, but it was really hard to find those organizations. So understanding the uh, the, the your buyer, uh, the size of the how, how many employees they have, uh, what is what are their buying buying habits, that also plays a a another factor. And I think those are the six components: um, your internal marketing bandwidth and resources, the objectives that you have for uh, for your account based strategy, internal sales structure size of your TAM, type of organization you're going after, and your your uh, your average contract value or uh, customer lifetime value. Those are, those are the six things that kind of go in for you to then decide what type of marketing you're going to. And it's completely fine to do multiple multiple types of ABM. It happens quite often. What what is the the, the restricting factor is usually marketing bandwidth uh, when you decide to do multiple types of ABM. That means I was actually going to get to your question now, um, which is why is ABM important to startups? If you, if you want to jump up on Visa and uh, clarify anything there or ask any follow-ups. Good morning. Hi. Um, hey, I think, yeah, we covered quite a fair bit of um, stuff this morning, right? And let's picture like a startup who have no... Um, can't even like calculate the LTV just yet because they've only been around for less than two years and or you know 18 months for example and um, now I moved into the startup world and I just didn't even think what like prior to joining startup that ABM is actually the right strategy to go after if you are operating the startup but um, I just wanted to like hear everyone's thoughts on um, you know, like how to apply ABM in a startup. But like for myself, I can see that if you have a really specific and really like targeted strategy around um, who to go after when you're in the very early stage, for example, you have product market fit, you're still having to like work out your uh, message market fit. And the most important thing is once you have product market fit is now like looking to the growth stage and finding that channel fit. And when you're actually trying to like navigate your way through working out the channel fit, that's when ABMs come in. So. Yeah, um, I, I think you're right. And I think the, the main thing to, to keep in mind is I don't think it's a good strategy to go for those, those higher tiers of ABM if you are, if you're a small organization, if you don't have your LTV, you know, there is always a way to figure out how much this company is worth to us. You know, you, you might just look at average contract value. If you, if they sign a yearly contract, you look at that, but because of the risk to the organization, 
I think it's it's better to have a broader approach in the early days so that you can get revenue in as fast as possible um, from whether it's smaller deals. And there are multiple factors in there, right? Because you're also looking at investors. Investors want to see numbers. They want to see how many new new customers. They might not be interested in you saying, hey, I, I we landed, um, you know, Origin. And that's a that was a five hundred thousand dollars versus we landed fifty smaller accounts that all were ten thousand dollars, and that becomes a lot more attractive. Oh, there is traction going on versus there was one deal. So there's there's a lot more politics in there in a startup world um, when you're when you're thinking about it. And, and because of that, I usually say that looking at those higher tiers is um, is probably not a great. Uh, not a great approach for 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 um, for a startup. Look at one to some, one to one to many. Um, get sales support for one to some. I think one to some is a really solid, uh, really solid strategy for for um, for startups because you are covering a, a wide range. You still haven't figured out your messaging, so you can have a not bespoke messaging for an account uh, and, a, and a more broader message for the market, and uh, and then go to market. So that's what I would say would probably be the safest bet for startups. Cool. Thank you. No problem. Um, I might just add a follow-up to Van Visa's question there. And then I'm going to get to your question, Jason. I know you're, you're waiting for that. Um, so what, what size should a company be before they start moving up the pyramid? Or can a company of any size kind of start working on any style of ABM? I think what it becomes very like it's a it's a similar question to what Van was talking about, where um, it's yeah if you're a small organization, you probably it's too risky for you to look at a one to one strategy. It's just that it, it, the economics of it is is if if it falls through, and you don't have enough cash in the bank to uh to have to to pay salaries then you're screwed right so you don't want to implement a strategy that 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 puts your eggs in too few baskets uh and, and you want to take a more broader approach for that so we got a question from jason here um i'm sure has some thoughts about this one shaheen so jason if you want to come up and uh discuss it a bit further too uh, the question is, what metric do you use to convert an account to an MQL? Ooh, MQLs. I'm not a big fan of MQLs, Jason. So you you probably want to move away from the whole MQL MQL metrics um, if you if you do want to if you do want to push for marketing qualified something, it becomes more account where um, where you you have a look at hey has this account been engaging with us uh, has this account been uh, um, uh, you know coming on our website because you also can't do that at a, at a, at a lead level with, with a lot of ABM so how do you how do you look at an MQA how do you measure an MQA usually it's it's tech enabled so if you're running with LinkedIn ads uh, LinkedIn will tell you the accounts that have been engaging with your with your ads, so you can have that as a score uh, that then inform your sales team that hey, out of these hundred accounts that we're we're targeting, there this and this and this has been engaging with our with our ad to give you information about you know how many times they've been engaging with your ad and so on and so forth. Uh, if you again you have reverse IP lookup technology, this could be um, lead feeder, um, a lot of the big big uh, ABM vendors also provided, but they're, they're definitely smaller, more affordable technology. Lead Freeder again is one of them that allows you to understand whether a certain company with a certain IP address has been visiting your website um, and what pages have they been looking. So you can, again, layer that information on top of, uh, on, on top of what you tell your sales team and, and in order to further prioritize an account for them to put more, more focus on it. And, uh, and, and, and lastly, I mean, if they, if they're a hand raiser and they come through one of your forms, I mean, that's, that's cream on top that again, it's really hard to make that work in the Australian market challenging. Um, especially if you're going after large organizations, but, uh, but if, if that happens, obviously you want to, you want to very clearly inform the, uh, 
the sales team about it when they're when they're work when you're working with them on the outreach uh, sequence. So those are just some some of the things that I would say if you really want to focus on on you know marketing qualified. That's uh, those are some of the metrics you can you can measure. Van, what do you got? I uh, can I add um, if you want to marry the two and two together, like so the MQA and MQL together. Another way that you can do this is you could have um, multi, like score for MQLs and you can set like a score for MQA. And when you have, for example, like because you need more than one but one lead per account for it to, to work for your, for your account. So you can like have, if the score hit, like for example, like each one, you can set like maximum of 50, but if you have three leads coming through for this particular account and it actually now reached more than 100 scores, so your MQA score will go up. And then that's when you ping the sales team, for example. Or that's when you have a conversation with the sales manager. Like now we have actually three um, MQA, MQLs um, sitting for this particular account. I think it's time for you to maybe like re-engage with the this account, for example. You know what I'm saying? Solid point. Solid point. No, I, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, using that as another, um, I'm getting a lot of glare on my camera. Um, but uh, yeah, using that as another metric to to layer on top of your your qualification for your for your um, for your leads and your accounts. Solid point. Solid point. Shuba, you have two questions here. Would you like to come and discuss them? Yeah, sure. But I don't remember the first one. I remember the one I sent you today. Yeah. Would you like me to read out the first one? Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. It was how long to spend on target accounts to identify need. Might need a bit more info on that one as well. Yeah. So I think where I was getting to with this question was, uh, yes, I've so say I was looking at a one to few kind of or one to few or one to some strategy uh, and uh, and then how would I uh, I suppose it's about trying to go okay well how many people do I need to um, uh, you know what's this sort of how would I measure or score um, say like a marketing qualified account and go okay well the types of leads the quality of leads whether they use uh, in my case uh, video uh, in there already um, you know it's about identifying the need and whether there is a need uh, so assuming budget assuming all of these things like I'm not looking at all of that but it's just getting to that pain uh, you know how how long how many conversations do you do you sort of look at that uh, metric how do you have any metrics on measuring that so you know we'll we'll work on an account till um, for a couple of months before we sort of say, all right, we'll need to park it and come back to it. I see. So, yeah. So how long would you, would you go after an account until they, uh, until you kind of give up on the account, right? Exactly. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Um, it really depends. It depends on the size of the account that you're going after because so I give the bank example because they're, you know, they're pretty much the largest organizations in Australia. Um, if you're going after a bank, it's not unusual for you to be after them for two years until they, uh, you know, until they kind of open up doors and, and you know, you, you, you get in there and you sell something. So you, you have to take into consideration the type of organization. You, you have to talk to some of the salespeople who have experience selling into, into those organizations. And as, as part of that, you know, how long, how long does it take? What is the sales process? As I said, if you're selling to a bank, you might get 100% buy-in from, let's say you're selling into finance, right? You might get 100% buy-in from finance and you might get that within three months. But then you go to, uh, and you're selling a piece of technology, and then you go into the the system engineer or the uh, or the system architects, where they they approve what you what they can use the finance and the whole company can use from a from a technology standpoint. And you just you got to go through and and show them that the system is safe. They can use it, and that could take months. I mean, six months, nine months. 
You know, so so it's really important to talk to some of the salespeople who have experience selling into those type of accounts for you to get a, get an understanding of how long that is going to take. The other thing that I would say is ABM usually takes time and it's so important to kind of infuse that education into leadership where we're always under the pump. Like marketing is always under the pump of where are the leads? Where are the leads? You know, launch this next month. Give me the leads. Will we have any leads in this? It's not going to work like that. It's not, that's not the, uh, the, the, how the game works. It's not, you know, you don't have a magic hat. It'll just be like, here are the leads. We're doing ABM now. ABM is going to, is, is takes a certain amount of time uh, for it to take an impact. So um, especially, again, especially if you go, if you go to those larger, larger accounts. So understanding the, the buying cycle and the buying behavior of your accounts are really important. Um, and, uh, and, and the other thing that I would say is, um, uh, yeah, you just, just be prepared for it to take time. And when I say take time, we're talking easy six months. Like it would take, you would have a certain, um, metrics that you would, you would measure in order that, that your campaign is effective, but six months, nine months, it's not unheard of for you to go through cycles like that, for you to see, uh, for you to see interest. Third thing that I would say on, on that front is usually you would have your brand awareness and you're going after certain accounts and you're targeting them for, let's say, let's say a quarter at the beginning, you're, you're running your ad advertising and then you create, or the sales team creates a sequence that they want to hit these decision makers. So let's just take one, one company. Uh, let's say you're, you're targeting one, one account, you run three weeks of advertising against that account just to make sure that they are aware of your brand uh, to make sure that they, when, when somebody reaches out, they go like, you know what? I've seen that brand somewhere. I can't remember where it is. Um, but that logo looks familiar or I've, that name I've heard of it, it, it definitely increases the likelihood of them, of, of them having a chat with you. Um, but then the sales team would have a sequence where they would say, you know what, we have a 10 touch sequence where we're going to be leveraging phone. We're going to be leveraging email. Um, email is a little bit tricky in Australia, but, but phone, LinkedIn, even if you want, it's gray area, if you want to leverage email or not, but leverage email. And that this is a, uh, this is a 10 touch sequence that we're going to carry this out within a month. So within, and if there is nothing, like you can't get anything out of them at the end of that process, which is, you know, about, it would take maybe a month and a half, two months. You can also make a call of whether you, uh, you want to park that account for now. Uh, that's, that's another way that you could quickly park accounts. But if you do see interest, how long would it take? Really depends on the account and the type. Yeah, of nice one. I really appreciate you breaking that down. That sounds good. Yeah, oh, that's all good. Um, and I think my second question was around the differences that you see between, say, the A and Z portion of the APAC region versus uh, the other English-speaking countries, for example, like Hong Kong, Singapore, Indonesia. Like, do you see differences in their either decision making or or how they respond? outreach okay so so one 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 big difference is uh is those 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 markets are a lot larger than australia i mean we have very few large organizations in australia uh they're not that many of them yeah. and um and as a result you know you're we have this challenge right now with one of our clients where um, they're like, you know, our predominant presence is in Australia, but we also have presence in Indonesia, one of the, one of the geolocations for them. And, uh, but we definitely want to, we definitely want to run campaigns in Australia and we run the numbers, we run the revenue numbers and we're like, you know, Australia, if you, if we focus on Australia and these are the accounts, it's the, your revenue is going to be third of your focus on Indonesia, for example, because there are so many larger accounts in, in Indonesia. So ANZ in general, it's a small market. Keep that, mm -hmm. keep that in mind. They do spend a lot. Um, that is correct. So, you know, a, a, an account of, uh, of 10,000 employees in Australia probably has a tendency to spend more than an account with 10,000 employees in Indonesia, but there are a smaller number of them. 
Uh, and, uh, and the messaging is different. The, the culture is different. Uh, you know, in, in Singapore, to some degree, Singapore is, is, is a little bit different, but not, not too much. Uh, India, India is different. Uh, Indonesia is different. Malaysia is different. Hong Kong for sure is different. When you go into Korea and, uh, and Japan, if, if, if Japan does fall under your, your APAC strategy, messaging there is completely different. You cannot take the same content and take the same messaging um, especially from your sales perspective, if, especially for your for your market development uh, messaging, and just copy and paste that in those in those markets. So uh, yeah, so I suppose one of the things that I'm thinking about. Sorry, I know we only have a couple of minutes left, but um, one of the things I'm sort of conscious of that uh, messaging and the culture is, you know, in the US, say US, UK, uh, and probably ANZ here, the conversation can be that even though it's a cold outreach, it can be a lot more personal, personable or uh, casual sometimes almost in its language to, to get a response, whereas that probably wouldn't fly as well in those other countries. No, it won't. It won't. Like Korea, you got to be super formal, like very formal. Um, or, or is it uh, like Japan, you can't do outreach. Like it's just rude. Like if you cold call someone, it's just rude. I, I think it's Japan or I, I might be mixing with some of the countries. So you do have to take those into consideration when you're, uh, when you're, when you're running your campaigns. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Thanks. Really appreciate um, this time. It's super valuable. No, that's, that's all good. Summary. Um, let's let's yes, just wrap let's get to uh, that last question. Let's wrap see. up with this. Um, are there any tips on how to educate, align, and get buy-in from sales for support on selecting accounts and strategies for ABM? Um, it's hard. It's it's hard. It's uh, it, it is it is quite a challenge. One of the things that we started doing is, especially when when we start working with a, with an account, is we stop calling it ABM. We don't call it ABM anymore. We call it we call it account-based engagement. Um, because ABM, it, it all of a sudden, like when, when you have marketing at the end of it, they're like, oh, that's, that's a, you know, that's a marketing thing. I don't want to pay attention. It's then it's a new coloring of the month. Um, uh, forget about it. So we, we start kind of introducing it as account-based engagement and account-based strategy. Um, and usually they do get excited about account selection. That's the part that they have all the hesitation when you're, when you're getting them in there in order to say, you know, tell me about some of the more important accounts. And the, the more, most important thing is beforehand showing them what a potential ABM campaign could look like, get them super excited, and then say, look, we would like to run something similar to this for, the, uh, for, 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 for these accounts. Uh, let's, let's, let's select the accounts. And, you know, what, what happens is immediately they start, uh, they start feeling the, uh, seeing the commission. Um, they start, uh, they start, uh, you know, that you got to think for when you, when you deal with salespeople, you got to think of commission, right? That's the, uh, that's the main thing you got to take into consideration. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to join our next ABM Talk session live, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for the support and we'll see you in the next one.